Okay, so today I am going to be uh, talking about something I've actually preached and shared in the uh, in my church to the ooh, the college age ministry group that I am also a part of. I just realized that even though the first episode was a lot about me, I really didn't really share much anything that's like present about me. So just to kind of go over that again, um, just to get the like extra information, I am 22. I feel like I shared this in the first episode. I am, you know, I feel called to the ministry. I work for a ministry uh, right now uh, with an evangelist kind of, she doesn't really know what to call herself because she, she's like, well, she does missions and she evangelizes and she teaches and she preaches. So she works in the ministry. She, she is a minister of the gospel, point blank. But I am um, one of her assistants. I also have another job and I do like other little side jobs. So your girl is just always hustling or whatever. <laughs> and my side jobs are babysitting. So, you know, um, so that's the reason why, um, you know, I'd be saying that I preach and teach and that's why I teach so much. Um, but anyways, what I'm sharing a word that I've already shared to the college age student and this word I've titled it mending your faith when it's broken or repairing your faith or tending to your faith. That's, that's kind of been wounded and everything. Um, and let me tell you, I, you know, I just, I felt blessed. I felt so blessed because I think I got a good, uh, response, but I really, really felt to really put this on, um, something that wouldn't die, you know, for eternity, the internet is forever. So I thought that I put it here because I think it's such a valid and valuable message that people need to hear. So first and foremost, I want to start this whole thing off by um, telling you a story of what I, I went through. Okay, one time I wear glasses. You cannot tell that from the podcast cover art. I, the way that my prescription is, not that I'm not ashamed about it, you know, but, <laughs> but I just, I'm nearsighted. So I don't wear glasses in photos because not all the time. Anyways, I've been wearing it for a while. And I remember one time I went in one day for an eye exam. And you know what? I, I never I never thought I'd be the glasses person. But I got a really scary report one day. And the doctor, my eye doctor, Dr. Hannah, which is he's so cool. He he actually told me that um, that I was in danger of having glaucoma. And that would eventually cause blindness to the eye. And it's basically when a bunch of cells get together and damage your op optic nerve. And that my eyesight, he told me that my eyesight was like declining, you know, and it's, it's getting worse. So he, I don't know, like his warnings were like, oh, just don't be on the phone so much. You know, I'm like 12 years old. It's like, that's like asking a coke addict to not drink oh you were talking you were thinking about that type of coke anyways what <laughs> so vision to me obviously that's everything hello I kind of need to see like every day and first of all to give that type of report to a child I've been on the earth for like 12 years at this point that's like a decade and two two thoughts okay a decade and two years that's not enough that is not enough. And at the age of three was when people like remember like their earliest memories, unless you have like really good memory. So basically I've, I've been here for like 
subconsciously, I guess, nine years and all of a sudden my eyesight, you tell me that you're going to go blind. He didn't say it like that, but you know, so I was like, you know, I was devastated. I was like, what the hey? Um, but of course I'm a gangster. So I never showed that I was devastated. Yeah. So basically, where am I going with this? What? This is supposed to be a devotional or a message or preaching. Very good. So basically I want to talk about, I want to talk about what it, how it feels when you have to tend to your faith that's been broken. I mean, especially growing up in the body of Christ, growing up in the church, you know, you, you, your faith, that's such a pure thing when you start out as a child. And then there's certain trials and there's certain things that happen that challenges your faith or even kind of makes your faith take a hit. And there's a lot of people that just don't recover. There's a lot of people that if their faith has been challenged an ounce, just an ounce, they're like out the door. They don't come, they don't, they don't come back. They don't even try believe, or they just don't even try believing for anything greater than the means, their own means that greater than their own ability that they can give themselves. Because then it's just, well, if God wills or, well, one can dream or it, it seems like a miracle, but it's like impossible. And it's just so far that it feels like one of those like Disney Channel cheap, like cheap steaks that everybody signs up for because they like buy all the Lunchables. But no one knows who wants like they never announce the winner. So you're just like, what am I even doing? Like everybody thought everybody wanted Ty Pennington, whatever his name is from Extreme Home Makeover to like come to their house and be like, move that bus. And that's like a once in a lifetime chance. Little did we all know we had to like they weren't renovating your actually actual house. You had to like buy land in the middle of nowhere. Anyways, whatever. So I'm telling you, but those people exist. You know, something happens to them or to a loved one and their faith just dwindles and it's just damaged it is wounded it's broken it's just not the same as it used to be it's not the same as it once was do you know what I mean but let's look into let's look into I you know let's look into Deuteronomy 34 verse 7 and this is the thing this is like the faith scripture and this Okay, I'm just going to read it before I continue. The Bible says, Moses was 100 years old, 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. That's not the ultimate faith verse. (laughs) I was confusing that with something else. But this is the verse that to me, when I would read that, it would just really just make me like either really sad or just like really crave to see God move in that way for my life. Do you know what I mean? Because Moses was 120 years old and his eyes didn't grow dim. And I'm over here at 12. I can't even see the board at school without my glasses. And I'm like, what the hey? What the hey? But here's the thing that I want you to recognize and and I want people to actually really get something that that I learned in my life was something that I, I heard a preacher really speak to. And then I was like, heck yeah. Um, what I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. This, this specific journey and this specific, you know, like challenge, it was wrong to be mad at God. First and foremost, it doesn't make sense. I, I hate to my core 
when people open their mouths and say, I was mad at God. It's okay to be mad at God. First, who do you think you're talking to? First and foremost, who do you think you are? I mean, God's never going to be in a position where he could do you wrong, okay? And I heard a preacher put it this way. Even if he did, what court do you plan to take God to? And, and on top of that, who's going to be the judge that determines that God is guilty and you're innocent? We, we saw this happen in the book of Job. A lot of people misquote or misunderstand the book of Job as if God was like, I, I don't, they just see it. They, they, there's a whole song like you give and take away. Like that's not if, oh, it's, I love you so much, this singer. But it's like, if you maybe read with like both sides of your brain, you would see that in the end of the book of Job, God rebuked the fire out of Job for most of the things that he let out of his mouth to the point where Job repented and he was like, forgive me. I said things that I know it's not. I, I didn't know what I was saying. He didn't. He was just spouting off out the mouth. You have to really understand that you have to read the book of Job with the spirit. And if you don't get it, it's one of those books where it's like, I read it, but Holy Spirit, um, help me read it again because I don't get it. And he'll help you. Trust me. He really will. That's how I feel when I read Revelations. It's like every time I read it, it's like different. It feels like a different book. It's like one time it feels destruct, just like everything's going just crazy. And the next time I read it, I'm like, oh, this is a good book. Like, this is encouraging. I mean, the book, the Bible is alive. That's all I got to say. So, so I got to text my bad. <laughs> okay. So basically, don't ever fix your mouth to say, I'm mad at God. Because you have to know the character of God. First of all, he is the creator. He's your father. If you're a Christian, he is God. He's good. He's good. He's good to us. He doesn't orchestrate your downfall. He doesn't orchestrate struggle for your life. He, that's not, even in people, and people use the term, well, God, Jesus promised there would be persecution. Yeah, Jesus doesn't want people to go on and be beheaded. That's not a desire, a deep desire of his. That's the, that's just what happens because the God of this world, if you read your Bible, the God of this world is Satan. That's what the Bible says. Yes, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but the God of this world is Satan. And while us believers are still here in this world, we are fighting and have to overcome this satanic agenda and plan that you know, it's an antichrist agenda that the enemy just wants Christians out. I mean, think about it all over the Bible. Think about it. Every single generation and you, there was like a, in the Bible, there was or some sort of, there was some sort of Messiah figure. The very first one I can think of is Noah. He built the ark. God told him to tell the people and the people mocked him. And he, he tried to tell the people to get saved. And you know, him and his family were the ones that were saved. Next one I can think of is Moses and Abraham. And, and we have David and we have, we have, uh, and the, the judges of the Bible, you know, there's so many different Esther. There's so many different type of Messiah figures that that rise up when the enemy tries to put a threat against the people of God against Israel. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, now where was I? I was saying something. Yeah. So we're in this earth that Satan is against the church. So persecution that's going to be the natural. That's going to be the natural response. To Christians in the church, to Chris, I mean, Christians in the world. I heard what I said. <laughs> That's what I, I had to correct myself. To Christians in the world, 
What does that Bible verse say? Look, in Matthew's verse, Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But the gates of hell is trying to prevail against it. You, you know this. We know this. It's not God's desire. It is not his plan to orchestrate destruction and the beheading of believers and the skinning alive. Like, I believe it was King Cyrus. Basically, Christians were skinned alive and burned alive and cooked alive. And that was a persecution they had to bear. And this is not a podcast about persecution. But that's not God's desire for to see his creation or his children be treated like that. But that's what happens when you choose Christ in this satanic world and you follow him and i mean with just full abandonment that that there is a high possibility and praise god you know i not every listener is from america but i live in a country where it's it's okay to be a christian at least for right now so it's like you don't see that happening everywhere but lo and behold but just know persecution absolutely does occur that and it's not god's desire however he comforts us and knowing you know have joy rejoice in it though rejoice that you're persecuted because Jesus promised they hated me. They're going to hate you. Rejoice. But here's the thing. Don't ever fix your heart to ever be mad at God. That never ended well for anybody. First of all, not only is that prideful for you to actually feel that God is able to commit something against you, some type of wrong to do a sin against you. That's like heresy. That is so foul. That's a terrible heart to have. You're not humble. You are not looking at God as if he is above you and you are you are not on his level you're actually trying to get to God and size yourself up being like you did me wrong and I need you you have to amend this for me excuse you I hate there is no respect at all at all and when people say I God I'm so I was angry at God he's not who do you think he is not some type of person that you're beefing with in your Instagram DMs like, we need to get this clear, like right here and right now, especially in this generation that I'm seeing and this wave of Christianity where it's, everything's very casual and it's kind of seeming like people are losing their reverence and respect for God. OK, no, let's let's cut that off right here, right now. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. So I I'd, going through that, I literally knew what not to do in that region. First of all, you're going to skip a lot of heartaches and you're going to skip a long time of suffering if you just get your heart right in a lot of situations, if you if your heart is right, no matter what situation you face, you're not going to be in that. I'm telling you, that situation is not going to stay around for a long time. And that's a word of faith. Now, hold on to that. So but either way, reading verses like that, where I would see Moses, his eyes didn't dim, you know, it was a little hard, you know, and I would cry to the Lord that he would heal my eyes and free me from the use of glasses. And it was an internal battle. I didn't particularly like to entertain past surface emotions because I just didn't get want to get lost in all of what I felt. But, you know, I would I would I, I would see and hear of testimonies of people, you know, glasses on the altar and and, and I, I can see and people just sitting in service and all of a sudden their eyesight's foggy and they take off their glasses and God gives them a clear vision. It's a little hard to hear that. But, you know, I, I would still try to tell myself and position myself to remain in faith because that there's no reason why that can't be me. There's no reason. I mean, healing is a children's bread. There is no reason 
why I can't receive the goodness of God in that area. I'm not going to, the Bible says what the Bible says. I don't like when people try to, you just never know how the Lord works. It's not like Jesus went around healing some. The Bible says that he went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. That's all. All, when you see in the Bible, all in the Hebrew, it means, guess what? All. I don't, I've heard somebody on TikTok, some type of like gay, like one of those weirdo people. And he was, he was gay and he was just straight up gay. But he was like, actually, when in the Bible, Hebrew, when Jesus says, ah, oh, that means, no, you have to actually study this out for yourself. There's a whole like PC friendly Christianity, liberal Christianity, that's very worldly version coming out where anybody who's anybody can preach the gospel and, and, and say anything. And there's a lot of people that just believe things that people just spout out of their mouths. Why do you think I quote scripture? For you to go in the Bible and you look it up your own self. You do your work. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. And I heard a teaching that study actually really means going into the word and seeking God. Seek hearing. Okay, God, what is this? It's going to a teacher, asking a teacher a question and the teacher answering back. And you asking the teacher another question and the teacher answering back. You have to commune with his word and understand him. I'm telling you right here, right now, you, there's no way on heaven and hell, heaven, earth, hell, whatever you are. <laughs> I don't think anyone in hell is listening to this podcast. And if you are, how's the Wi-Fi? I, you know, I don't think it's possible that you can understand God without getting in his word. And that was a terrible joke. How's the Wi-Fi? I'm not trying to get there and find out. So no. So bump that. Bump the bad attitude towards the Lord. My heart's going to be pure towards the Lord. My heart's going to be one out of worship towards the Lord. I'm not going to look at God and have an attitude. First of all, there is a way to come before the Lord. Let's not get crazy now. You enter his courts and you enter his gates. You have, you better have thanksgiving on your lips and praise, a praise for the Lord. Because if you try to come in before the Lord, angry and yelling and screaming, listen, God is gracious and he's kind and all of that goodness, but you can get yourself messed up. Do you, do not forget the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. That was not old Testament. That was very much new Testament. That was very much post the disposition. Okay. Is it, don't get it twisted. That's what I'm trying to say. Check yourself for you wreck yourself. Okay? Okay. <laughs> but you know, either way, I, 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 you know, I had to use that. See those, see those experiences or like see those, uh, what am I saying? Those uh, times or testimonies of people getting healed from wearing glasses or bad eyesight or whatever I had to use that to fuel my faith and feed my faith and even when it it, it hurts or whatever you you really have to like speak to yourself why can't that be me that why give me one good reason why that can't be me yes I know what I was saying Jesus went about healing all all everyone qualified who qualified all who were sick and oppressed of the devil all, oh, all, oh. and I, I would get into the stuff of T.L. Osborne, get Kenneth Hagin, hear the testimonies. I would purposefully hear testimonies of people getting healed to feed my faith because, you know, I believe in the word of God. I believe in the Bible. I don't need somebody with a bad haircut and ripped up jeans that's going all the way up to their navel to tell me that well, you just can't always know how God works. I know God's a healer. This word supports that he's a healer. I know God's my savior and I know God hears me when I pray. There are so many scriptures in this Bible that support the fact that he really does hear me. His arm is not too short. 
His ear is not that far to hear. And his ear isn't blocked off from my, from my prayers, from my questions, from my just, you know, my daily communication. It's not. It's very much so available. And I'm a child of God. I'm not living in sin. I'm not out here being crazy. I'm not out here making God angry or offending him in any way because I position my life where it's pleasing to the Lord. So I know and I can believe, fully believe that God will heal. And I can fully believe that God wants to heal. Okay, so <laughs> I am kind of went off on a tangent there, but it's not totally where I'm, it's not totally off uh, track. So I'm wanting it. I'm coveting this thing straight up. I want to have a testimony like that. I'm, let me tell you, I cannot wait to have a testimony like that. Where it's like, I don't even know what that's going to look like. I'm going to be driving. I'm going to throw the glasses off and be like, oh my gosh. <clears throat> I didn't know that's what that street sign said. But now I do. I don't know what that's going to look like for me. But I, I believe it. And I'm... I am believe, I just believe, oh, hex yeah, oh, hex yeah. So I'm coming in, you know, I'm, I'm going to healing services. I go to a Holy Spirit filled church. We have revival services. I, I follow different revival styled ministries or pe ministries that actually have the hand of God on them and God is working and you're seeing healing and all types of moves of the spirit. I am in these services, seeing these things happen and I'm coming with full expectation i am coming with full belief but eventually i had to ask you know you know it's not happening for me you know i've <laughs> the whole glasses thing it, it and there was a time i'm not gonna lie there is a time where i'm just like where people were like uh i remember i heard one of our, our bishop pastor was just like there was like a altar call for healing and you know he he just you know he just got so used to his situation that he just never thought to really receive that for himself so the holy spirit prompted him like raise your hand and and he got healed and it's like it's sometimes you get so used to just not wanting anything or not not receiving anything that you just don't even bother to even get your faith up to believe for something but i you know i had to really remind myself like don't lose the faith you know if if when a pastor when someone's on the stage and these people have seen, especially, and you know, these people have seen the hand of God move in healing people. When they go on the stage and they say, is there anything wrong? Is there any sick among you? Is any, do you, anybody in the crowd that needs healing or pray for anything regarding healing in their bodies? They, I'm telling you, most likely they are getting prompted by the Holy Ghost and God wants to do something. So it'd be really dumb to sit on your butt and let the moment pass. You muster up whatever faith you can get and say, yep, it's me. And watch, watch God perform. Watch God perform. I've seen God, I've seen God heal my body many, 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 many kinds of ways. I've seen the miraculous in my body. I, this is kind of hard to explain over podcast. But if you see me in real life, you'll know what I'm talking about. My thumbs, I don't know if I was born like that. But there's, I have, I have two thumbs, like, you know, the occasional human, the average human being. But one of the bones in my thumbs, it's like something is off with it. And they just, it didn't bend. Like my, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about the, the bone that the, um, that's connected to the hand. I'm talking about the bone that's closest to the nail, like the fingernail. That bone, it was like locked. It didn't bend at all. The other bone obviously bends. You, you don't know that. So you don't know it's obvious. 
but it bends. So for, I remember going to the doctors when I was younger, and I remember the doctors like with tears in their eyes. The heck, we're like, there's nothing we can do. I don't know what to do. And I went, and there is an old man who God used mightily in just miracles and healings. And he came to our church and my youth pastors were like, anybody that wants to come, just come. And he had a little healing service, a little miracle and healing service in the, in the kids sanctuary of my church. And he took my thumb in and he told somebody else to, you know, touch my, and I told him the problem. He said, okay. He told somebody else to pray for my thumb and touch my thumb. And he prayed over it. And one of the thumbs started to bend and that's when I had faith, but that's another kind of another story for another day because unbelief began to settle and it's kind of, I'm, I, I, I should probably cover that eventually, huh? Ha, 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 ha. I really should and I probably will. But basically what I'm saying is I've seen God heal. I've seen God do things in different areas of my life and different areas of my body and I've laid hands on the sick and I've seen them recover. I prayed for my dad over the phone and he was dealing with like immense pain. I prayed for him. I was like two states away over the phone healed you know I've I don't I don't live in a position in my life where I have to question if God can heal or if God's interested in healing or if or if I, I, that's not the type of life that I'm living like I am convinced of this fact everyone every believer should live a life where you are fully convinced that this word is true and God will do what he says he will do and he can do and he's willing to do what he says that he's going to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't have let it come out of his mouth, right? We know what the Bible says, what God says about his word. The Bible says that God puts his word above his name. And his name, his name is so holy. The Jews don't even spell it out. They don't even spell it out fully. His name is so holy. The name of Jesus also is so holy that demons flee. They get triggered, okay, at the sound of that name. You don't even, you can just, I've been, I've heard of services. You didn't even have to say the full name. You just say J and demons are already on their way out. Jesus stepped foot on shore and demons were just going haywire trying to find him. I mean, this, uh, they had dominion the whole time. And the minute Jesus just puts his toe in his leather sandal on some type of beach with shells, it's like their whole world came to pieces. There's, there's power. And he, but yet even, even in that God's, he puts his word above his name. He wouldn't release, he wouldn't tell us that he's a healer. He wouldn't tell us that he can do the impossible. He wouldn't tell us that he's our savior. He wouldn't tell us that he's our provider, deliverer. He wouldn't even bother letting that out of his mouth if it wasn't true. Or if he couldn't do it. He puts his word above his name. And at his word, we're, we, like everything was created. And through his mouth, he breathed us into life. If God has the audacity to let something come out of his mouth, it'd be smart for you to believe it and receive it. Because he made it, it's like an executive decision. That's like the highest order. You know, Jesus was impressed by somebody for uh, observing and obeying what he released out of his mouth. 
There was a, a Roman guard came up to him in regards for his, for, you know, one of his soldiers that served under him. He needed him to, he was, you know, one of the guys that was under him was sick, dealing with something. And he came to Jesus and he says, I, I need prayer for this, this guy, you know. And Jesus sent the word, he's, he sent his word out for him to be healed. His word out for him to be healed. And the guard let Jesus know, I know because you said this, you know, he, he agreed. He's like, and I know he's going to be healed. I know this because if I say so, my guys are going to obey. They obey my authority. So whatever I say, they obey. And he had faith and Jesus was impressed. He was like, whoa, look at this guy with this type of faith. He understands the authority, not only that I carry, but he understands what happens when someone respects and gets under an authority. Whenever a word is released, they recognize the authority and they obey. So if I say you're healed, you're healed. And Jesus has been doing that all over the Bible. He, he still does it today. He's not dead. Like, you know, Hillary Clinton's daughter says, eh. he, he didn't die. He, he, he's not dead. Well, he died and he rose again. Praise the Lord. It's part of the gospel. It's very important. But he's not dead. He's still speaking and he's still moving. I need, I need you to get that through your head. I need you to really understand that. So I, I really believe this word. It'd be dumb for me to wait for everything in this word to, to come to fruition to then believe. Because first of all, that wouldn't even happen. Okay? Everything is operated by faith. You know, I wouldn't be moving in faith if I waited for everything to come into fruition. And the Bible clearly says anything not done in faith is sin. Sin. And you know, you know that thing that leads to death? Let's look. I remember saying that verse one time. And I could just feel, not for everybody, but I could just feel like the, just the resistance in the room. Because I said anything not done in faith is sin. Because for a long time, a lot of people preach and a lot of people teach and believe. You know, doubt is not the opposite of faith. To doubt isn't to sin. God's not mad at doubt. God's not mad at this. And it's like you hear people say that. And it's like just go on ahead and continue to tell me that you've never picked up a Bible a day in your life. Or you bought a discount Bible at like the gas station at Bucky's or something. Because clearly you don't know what you're talking about. Because in the Bible, Romans 14, 23. It says, but who, whoever has doubts is condemned. Well, that just ruins your whole argument. I'm not even done with the verse. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. You read the whole scripture in its context. But the point that this scripture is building its philosophy on is that everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Sin, the thing that breeds death. Do, do I need to get another verse for you to understand that too? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. And that's not a comforting word. I don't really care. But it, it calls you up to a higher standard of living. Sorry. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. How do you even get, how do you even get into the kingdom? You've got to first believe. I don't know why you, you got into the kingdom by faith and you think that living a life in the, you think that this word is threatening to you. I don't, I don't understand people. Like people are, are not operating with their brains on like ever.
It's okay to doubt. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to doubt. God's not threatened by doubt. He's not threatened by anything. But you'd be dumb to continue saying that and hearing that this is what the Bible actually says. It'd be really dumb. It's okay to doubt. Doubt is just so, it's natural. I had, you know, I had a, a lot of believers believe this. This is not stupid people. These are like actual decent people that believe this. I knew a girl who actually said that to me. Well, that's just natural. That's just what happens. And you didn't have to tell me that she was struggling in an area where she should have faith. She was. Of course, she, people don't take advice from people in areas that they haven't even overcome yet. Because they're, they're not, they can't tell you anything. They're not an expert on it. They can't tell you how, how to get... You can't, if I want to know how to bake a cake, I'm not taking advice from someone who only knows how to cook eggs. Like my 13-year-old brother. He he's, doesn't even know what a baking sheet, pan, baking soda, powder, whatever you use. I don't bake clearly. I'm not taking advice from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. There's a lot of people who open up their mouths and they don't know what they're talking about and have the audacity to teach. It's actually dangerous. Yeah, I mean, as a teacher of the scripture, of the word of God, you are held to a high standard. And no, everything you say is going to be highly critiqued. Just don't open your mouth. If, you, if you're not an expert on it, don't open your mouth. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't open your mouth. And that's a standard I have to live by, by getting on this podcast, chest bucked out and everything. I, I have to like keep that in mind myself. You kidding me? Whatever's not done in faith is sin. I'm saying it like that because I'm sick and tired of people opening their mouths and saying stupid things. It's okay to doubt. I've never seen anywhere in the Bible where Jesus looked at somebody and he was marveled by their doubt and lack of faith. Look at your unbelief. That's not even a thing. Jesus was annoyed. He couldn't even heal because of people's unbelief. It's okay to doubt. Why would I make it okay to do something? Why would I make something that prohibited Jesus from doing something good? Why would I make that okay for me to live, for me to, for it to continue in my life? You can test everything by its fruit. What have you gained from doubt? It's okay to doubt. It's okay to doubt. That's so stupid. Whatever's not. Oh my goodness. So I know it's imperative for me as a child of God to move by faith. It's the language of the supernatural. Faith. Believe the whole thing. Believe it. There's a lot of people that want to like, I, I, I don't know how these people, I want to do this great things for God and I want to see this great move. How do you do it? You believe the word of God. You believe the Bible. T.L. Osborne wasn't given a higher advanced version of the Bible. Kenneth Hagin was not given an advanced version of the Bible, nor was Benny Hen, nor is Rodney Howard Brown given an advanced version of the Bible. You believe what the Bible says and you act on it. The whole thing. God is pleased by... I'm not angry at you. God is pleased by faith. Let's not make something that God's not even pleased with okay. Okay, okay. That's a nice summary. My nights my notes are like nicer than me right now. So what what do you do when you're in a situation like this? When it feels like your faith is not enough? Well your faith doesn't look like it's producing anything. 
and you have faith for the miraculous, you have faith for the instantaneous even, you, you even have faith for the process, or I believe it's going to eventually get here. I, I have faith and patience and hope for the whole process. What do you do when things, when you're just not seeing anything? Because you know faith has fruit. Well, okay, let's look at the Bible. I remember reading a story about a man named Abram. And God spoke to this man named Abram at the age of 75 years old. And he promised him a biological son. In Genesis 15, the Bible says Abram, not Abraham yet, Abram cried to, out to God. He's saying, Lord God. Verse 2, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So not his son, just somebody in his family. That's the heir. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5, then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, I burped, I don't know if that, the microphone caught it. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. I'm going to read that again. Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. This word, when God releases a word, his word is a covenant. You know what a covenant, it's a legal contract binding two parties, two members of two parties together over a word. God, the same God who counts his word greater than his name whose word will never return void, uses his word to give out promises that legally binds two things together, two people together, surrounding what? Just the word, a promise. You're going to have a child and you're going to have it biologically. That was the word. You, you'll have your child. And the second word, and look at all the stars in the sky. If you're able to count them all, that's... A, Look, look at, look how much is in the sky. So shall it be with your, that's going to be your descendants. This guy's worried about having one child and God's over here telling him you're going to have a bunch of descendants that are countless. And we know that that's true. Why? Because that's you and me. If you're a believer, Abraham is our father. Father Abraham had many sons, father of the faith. Many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just, uh, 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 right foot, left foot, uh, 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 you know that song. That's like Sunday school song. You know, people born in 2000s and <laughs> anybody born in the year 2000 and you probably don't know that song because you were born too late. <laughs> Whatever it is, God purposely, he on purpose opens his mouth and let that stuff come out of his mouth. How powerful that is knowing because he knows the powers of he knows he knows the power of his word. You and I. You and I are going to have to have the ears open enough to catch the stuff by faith and hold on to it. Know and be convinced that whatever God has for you truly, 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 truly will come to pass. For the Bible says, this is the key. 
For Abram did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God. And in the name of Jesus, that's you and that's me. See, if 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 the Bible agreed with one of those people that I was talking about, those those people that, that I was talking about earlier, th- then it would have said for Abram, he doubted and wavered sometimes, but, you know, concerning the promise of God, but he grew. No, it doesn't say that for Abram did not doubt or waver in unbelief. People will try to tell you it's OK to waver that this stuff is make or break. You know, the stories in the Bible where somebody had faith and somebody doubted and they had two separate things i mean going kind of going back to earlier where i was talking about having a bad attitude or how you view god disrespectfully you remember the story of the talents one of the guys was like i hid my talent because i know you are an evil king that guy was sent to hell don't let it be you don't be stupid because he didn't waver or doubt he grew strong and empowered by faith Faith is not you holding on to something and seeing how long it's, it's how long it's going to last. We'll see how long that lasts. That's not faith. You sticking to faith, you can get empowered. Your faith will beget faith. Hallelujah. You reap what you sow. Your faith begets faith, begets faith, begets faith. You stay in faith, you'll get more faith because of the faith that you had. And that more faith will produce more faith because of that other faith that you had. And it'll build glory to glory, victory to victory, strength to strength. But doubt begets doubt, begets doubt, begets, and it's a sin. So it obviously begets death. You don't even get the thing that you you even desired. Desire is not enough. You got to have faith. And And not only that, when you have faith, just like Abraham, you grow strong, empowered. Give glory to God. You know, people are going to slither up and tell you it's okay to doubt. It's not okay to doubt. That's one of the things that the snake in the Garden of Eden tried to make Eve. He used that route to attack Eve. Did he really say? You know, having Eve question the word that God released to her. He opened his mouth and told her. Did God really say you couldn't A, B, C, D, E, F, G? It wasn't all that much. Well, she doubted. She questioned. She, her attitude, I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 Because no. you get into the, that. Eve's, I'm telling you, people, a lot of people are not happy with what Eve did. <laughs> people are just not happy because of this girl. Okay. She didn't get there by walking in faith. Anyways, faith is how you're going to communicate with that promise of yours. I know I'm going to get healed. I believe that I'm going to get healed. I, let me tell you a story, testimony. Um, I mentioned earlier, I have a 13 year old brother. I'm 22. We are like nine years apart by the year. Technically, we're eight years and like, I think like 10 months apart, nine months apart, something like that. No, 10, I think. Anyways. I was born April 1999. He was born January 2008. All my life I've wanted a sibling, preferably a sister. But I, I, there was this one time I went to my mom. I was like, I want a sibling. And, you know, I've been mentioning it, but this time I was serious. As if things just, you know, whatever. 
And she was like, okay. So I was like, yeah, I want a sibling, like ASAP. And she wanted a sibling for me. But what I didn't know at that age is that, you know, they were, my parents were like struggling in that area of having children. And then I remember her going to the doctors and I, I think she could just tell that I was getting serious about it. So she was like, all right. So they, I guess she wanted to start that journey again. She went to the doctor. She came back and told me with a sullen look in her face, like, oh, the doctor said I'm not pregnant. We can't have children. I literally, no biblical, I wasn't spiritually mature, you know, at that age. You know, I was very immature in very many ways. But just, I just looked at her. And I'm kind of thankful for God that he made me like this. A lot of, I can be very obstinate in what I believe in and what I want. And I looked her in the face. I said, you're pregnant. You are pregnant. I'm going to have a sibling. I want a sibling. So, so that it was, you know, I remember, obviously, you know, the end of the story. I have a sibling. Hey, I remember like, being like, okay, what does this, what does this have to do with me? I, I kind of, I credit, this is all supernatural to me because it was faith that I, that begot, you know, just like Abraham, that unwavering. I didn't waver. I didn't even think to waver. You know, I didn't even, to me, and a lot of times it's kind of good to be like stupid or ignorant, you know, because a lot of people be like the doctor said, and it's like over for them. But as a child, you're just like Dr. Schmarkter. You know, this has nothing to do. You're just telling me information in that. I never asked to know. I said, you're having a baby. I'm saying you're pregnant. What, what is, what is left to talk about? So, and I never wavered in faith. I would constantly be like, no, you're pregnant. I'm having my sibling. I would actually call my brother, little one. Hi, little one. Um, and eventually she told me that she was pregnant. And in this, and I know now is, is the Holy Spirit, but I knew deep down he was going to be a boy. I wanted a sister. I knew deep down though, he's going to be a boy. So I wasn't even all that bummed about it because a sibling is a sibling, right? So, you know, he's here. He's beautiful. I love him. I feel like I didn't give birth to the kid. He's beautiful. He is 155 pounds. No, he's like at least maybe like 90 pounds or 80 pounds. I think he's 90. Scrawny and very annoying. But I love that story so much because I credit it to faith and God helped. I mean, God encouraged me. I grew strong in faith. I was encouraged and he put that faith in me to to even have that word of faith to speak against the report. You know that song, whose report will we believe? You shall believe the report of the Lord. Who is that by? He's black. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Who's report you? I didn't, I know that song, but I wasn't thinking about it. And this just shows you how the Holy Spirit is just really there. He's really, really there. And God will move in areas where it's like, oh my goodness. You know, I was just, I was praising, I was thinking God about this last night where I was like, God, I, there is so much abilities that you've given me because I have the same spirit that lives in me that raised Christ from the dead. Father God, I thank you God for the supernatural abilities that that, that, that I could, that I have the possibility of doing and seeing, and you can move in mighty ways. And I just, sometimes it's just like, we don't really not, I'll I'll speak for myself. I will not speak for you. It's like, I don't really take the time to really understand and realize what power God has given us. 
and what abilities and how powerful he really is and how he moves in our lives. I mean, God is really good. What would have happened if I, if my mom told me that and I got all sad, I'm never going to have a sibling. I would have got what I said. I'm telling you right now, but because I had faith, my mom got what I said. She has a son. My dad has a son. I have a brother. Everyone's, he has a life. Okay. Everyone's happy. One of the joyous moments of our family was him being born. I love him so much. He's like, oh, he's like my sweet little, I love him so much. (laughs) Faith is how you're going to communicate with that promise of yours. I communicated with that promise. It wasn't anything that I felt God put in like, you're gonna you're gonna have a brother Quizo, you will have a brother and you will name him it wasn't anything like that first of all i'm his sister i'm not his mom it's none of my business i don't i don't know if god would have even told me that but i had a desire and i think a lot of people they skew ah ah ah, ah. people they skew everything up well i i just you know this is what i wanted but i need to know if it's, if it's what god wants you're not a slave like, it's not a crime to ask for a child, to have, want a child. It's not a crime to want a house, nor is it a crime to want clothes or, you know, tuition paid off or your bills. But the way people talk, I'm like, why do you even bother opening your mouth? No wonder why you like the story, the book of Job, and you, like, relate to it. Because you just let stupid things come out of your mouth. Like, I literally heard a story about a lady who was, like, who is currently struggling and having a children, and her, like, like comforting words she tells herself is I just got to wait for God's plan and how he it's not a crime to want a child bro look at the story of Hannah where she cried out to the Lord to open her womb and she got she told God I will I will dedicate you give me a son I will dedicate this son to you that's pretty good terms pretty good terms felt feels like she's in a court of law God opened up that lady's womb. He opened up that lady's womb. It's not, you don't have to like, you don't have to like come in alignment with the stars to like see things happen. What answers this stuff is faith. It really is. I don't know why people make everything so complex. The word is so simple, yet it is complex, yet it boils right back down to being very simple. The story of the Syrophoenician woman coming up to Jesus, wanted healing for her daughter who is being possessed and tormented by evil spirits. And Jesus told her, and there's a really good teaching on this by um, uh, Robert Madu. Look it up. It's really good. Jesus told her, like, you know, she wasn't even a Jew. So he's like, this, this, this is not, I don't give the, I don't give breads. I don't give what belongs to the children to the, I don't give. Let me look this up so I can say it right. Lord. But Jesus told her, okay, let's read the story. Verse, Mark 7, verse 25. A woman whose young daughter had, unclean, had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. 
Verse 29, then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she had found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. You know, Jesus wasn't looking for this woman. He was not look. He wasn't sitting there being like, in two seconds, a Greek lady who's really Syrophoenician, whose daughter is terrorized with unclean spirits, is going to come up to me and she's going to say this and I'm going to say that and you guys just watch. You have got to grab things by faith. I think that's what hinders a lot of people because they think like it's like some like celestial moment that has to happen. But you're not birthing the Messiah. No one's waiting for your celestial moment to happen. You, <laughs> you have to go th after things with faith. That'll unlock everything. Listen, as a believer, you've been given full authority over everything. Everything. Right? So what on earth do you think God is holding you back from? It's not God that's holding you back. And I didn't go into this when I shared at the college age, but there's a story in the Bible. There's so many stories in the Bible where it's like people will be praying for something and something that the thing that hinders it, it's not, you'll actually find it actually isn't even in God. You'll actually find it's, it's a principality or it's a power where you see in the story of Daniel. And by the way, in the last podcast, when I was talking about, um, the it was really Ezekiel it wasn't the book of Daniel where God was telling him to like this is their blood's gonna be on your hands if you don't say this if you don't say what I tell you to say that was Ezekiel which uh, I just thought I'd clear that up but I know for a fact in the book of Daniel <laughs> book of Daniel Daniel was praying for something and he prayed for 21 days and an angel came to him and he said when you prayed you, the, I mean, the answer was ready the first day you prayed, but he was held back basically by a, a principality of the, of the air over this specific region. And my paraphrasing is very, very good, very nice. But you continue to pray. And then so another angel was sent to take care of that so I can deliver the answer to your prayer. Let me get the scripture up just so you can really look this up and get, build your own faith. Daniel 10. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The oracle was true and concerns a great war. He understood the message and gained insight through a vision. Verse 2, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three whole weeks. Three times seven, twenty-one. Verse 3, I ate no rich food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself with oil until the end of those of the three... Ugh until the end of three weeks. Now on the 24th day, okay, so it was on the 24th, it was on the 21st. The 24th day of the first month, while I was beside the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, a man dressed in linen, which I think is such a nice fabric. I really liked how that's like the fabric of our heavenly lives, you know? With a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. Verse six, okay, it talks about his body. Verse 11, he said to me, Daniel, Highly valued men, carefully consider the words I'm speaking to you. Stand up, for now I have been sent to you. When he spoke this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, don't be afraid, Daniel. From, for, for, listen to this. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come because of your words, not a celestial event. This just had to happen and, and God just really liked what you said. No, I have become, I have come because of your words. However, verse 13, 
the prince of the kingdom of Persia resisted me for 21 days. But behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me because I had been detained there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future days for the vision concerns days yet to come. What does that tell you? Nobody's waiting for, well, it's just got to be God's plan. You, from the first day, your words were heard. Do you have faith enough to believe that when you pray, God hears you? And I'm, and you know, to make sure you really are heard by God. I mean, read the book of Isaiah. It's a great read, but make sure you are not living a life of sin because the Bible speaks about God shutting up his ears to people whose sin has just created such a foul stench. He, he was tired of it. He was tired of it. He turned like he, he purposely closed his ears from their prayers and he'll hear a prayer of salvation. So in a prayer of, you know, repentance. So you, you, you got to repent, ask for forgiveness and get right with the Lord today. Cause that, then that's just you holding yourself back, but to the righteous, what does the Bible say? The effective prayer of the righteous will availeth, availeth much. The effectual Lord Jesus. Did I just quote that with full confidence? Wrong. Help me, Lord. The Bible says the effective. What is it? The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Okay, so I was right. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, as a believer, you're righteous. Jesus is your righteousness. You're, he gave you, just like we talked about that one episode, I forget where it was, but you continue, you uphold that righteousness. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you, you, you live your life a way that's pleasing to the Lord. You present your body as a good sacrifice and, and you constantly, you uphold the purity, you uphold holiness, you pursue it, you seek it out, you model your life to encourage holiness to continue in your life. Okay, you're a righteous man and you open your mouth to pray. You're heard. I'm telling you right now, God hears your prayer from the day, from the moment you open your mouth. Why wouldn't he? He collect, why wouldn't he? It's all collected. What do you think? It's his ear is for you. He, he, he lends his ear to you. So don't let these people go on thinking, go on and make you think that when you pray, it's just, it's just a game of chance. Just a game of chance. This isn't this isn't that like arcade game where you like throw the ball into that thing and it, it could land at like 50 or the 20 or the 10, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. Clearly, I don't go to Dave Buster's or whatever it's called. Dave and Buster's. Oh, I'm not. This isn't one of those things. You can have confidence knowing when I pray, God hears me. That, you have to live that life. That's that's faith first and foremost. When you go to God and you say, okay, I have a matter, but it's okay. Cause when I pray to God, he's going to hear me. Turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah. I believe it's Jonah two. Yeah. This is titled Jonah's prayer. Hallelujah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Why did he do that? Because Jonah was not thinking smart. And he went against the Lord. I urge you to like study like Nineveh and find out about it and why he he felt that way. It's really it's a real it's like four chapters, but it's a very interesting read. <clears throat> and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. And if you don't know, this is the part where Jonah was he he went overboard because the the wind were tum, the winds and the waves were tumultuous and it's because you know God was not pleased that Jonah didn't listen he told him to go to Nineveh and Jonah just went about his own way he went on a boat to go somewhere else and that 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 caused the wind and the waves to get tumultuous and when he was thrown over everything was chill and the people on the boat were like oh my gosh like the God Jonah serves is he is God like whoa he, they were scared. You know, in, in awe. Now that's that's a cute little summary. <clears throat> at the root of the mountains. He was at the root of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Okay, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped about my head. At the root of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. That's the prayer of salvation. God heard that. Even I told you, I just told you, I told you about it. You know, like God will hear the prayer of salvation. God's merciful. He's kind. He's good. He's really good. You know, you as a, a righteous person, Jonah, and here's the thing. Jonah knew that God would hear him. He knew that his prayers would go into his temple. You got to have that attitude where, where you, where you speak things and where you where you put your prayers and desires and praise and all it goes to him and he hears it all the bible actually says like it's like an incense there's a lot of times where where what the his people did the israelites did would produce an incense or it would produce their sacrifices will produce a sweet smell or their sin will produce a smell that disgusted god you know <laughs> what you do matters and it's either going to attract god or it's going to like make him not be really pleased with what you're doing and that's putting it lightly so let's continue with my point faith will attract that promise you are communicating with way greater than you think you are you're not just in a room just offering your prayers up to molecules and air it's going somewhere spiritual it's going to heavenly places it's going to spiritual places angels minister to us there are angels that have your word and your prompt and your answer that are delivering it to you i mean there's a lot of spiritual things at at bay here that's why I, that's one of the things that i was like i'm not going to really get into that because i've seen healing happen this way i've seen healing like kenneth hagin's preaches about it there's for example headaches one form could be a spiritual thing it could be like a demon like tying his hands like wrapping his hands around your head and another form and another cause of headaches is because you're not drinking water or another cause of headaches is because of uh, like sickness 
You know, it's similar symptoms, but the causes are different. And by the Spirit, you have to have the Holy Spirit reveal to you. You have to seek the Holy Spirit first so He can reveal what's causing this thing. I remember hearing that, and I had, like, this problem, like, body pain problem, and I was in, just in a room, and I, I remembered what Kenneth Hagin preached, and I usually, you know, healed. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. But this time, I said, you know, I, I, I prayed a spiritual prayer. I rebuke the devil. Get off my body. Just like that instantly, the pain was gone. So there's certain things that are spiritual. There's certain things that are natural. And you have got to like, you know, what has God set up for this earth? You know, if you've got a headache, there's peppermint oil. There's Tylenol. There's, there's different type of things, you know. And there's certain things you just have to know the root. So I went into Daniel. I went into Jonah. I went into all of that to show you what I didn't tell the college age group to show you that things can get to that level and things can get like that or that spiritual. You just got to know you have to seek the Holy Spirit to tell you what's actually going on. Right. But regardless, God desires your freedom, deliverance, salvation, healing. He, he didn't he wouldn't he wouldn't send his son on the cross to put on all sickness for him to just put it right back on you. He will never put on you what he died for to take off from you that's stupid and that's pointless or else he's not the lamb he's not a perfect sacrifice but he i know jesus is the lamb of god and he is the perfect sacrifice he took that on he took that off from you so it could be on him so you would be free so what is that? So why is this still on here? So, I mean, if you want to get mad so bad, get mad at the devil because God comes to give you life and have it more abundantly. But the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy it. I mean, you want to get mad, get mad at the devil. Why is he terrorizing your body? Why is this thing even allowed to remain in my body? Get some chutzpah. I mean, get some, you know, you know, get some grit and like get violent about your healing, get violent about your like this is not allowed to happen in my body get fed up with that type of stuff honestly i heard a story about a lady who was dealing with like chronic pain for a long time and she was listening to one of my favorite preachers jonathan shuttlesworth and you know he was preaching like that you gotta get fed up with this stuff this thing is not allowed to remain on you get offended that the enemy is trying to do this against you he is trying to go against the, what the word of God says. He is not allowed to do that. You have an illegal substance, substance, illegal, like something illegal is on your body and you have got to cast it out. She heard that message and she just screamed at the top of her lungs, just completely finished. The minute she did that, all her pain was gone, released from her body. I'm telling you, that type of stuff, it, it, your intolerance of that is going to be the harbinger of your freedom and salvation and deliverance from that. But your complacency and your comfortability in that is just going to allow that is going to beget it to remain. Faith is what will attract that promise. I know this. And I was going to tell another story. I actually had like a totally different story to tell of testimonies. And this one, it was like about, uh, you know, God opening the womb of a couple that I know. 
And it was when, you know, it was like during the time, like uh, a speaker came to our church and he preached about the God of the impossible, daring the people to to really believe any situation that's going on in their life, like believe that God will do it. And, you know, he was sharing testimonies, really building up the faith in the room. And when this couple, I went in debt when I shared it um, at my church, but, you know, I went in depth with a lot of other stores too. So I'm just going to summarize this one. I saw them at the altar. I know this couple, you know, and I know it. I mean, it's, listen, I could tell this was hard for them, you know, to constantly go through Mother's Day every year and that not be you. And you desperately want it. In fact, their chances of their chances of having a child was so low. The doctor said that it was less than one percent, which, if you don't know, is zero. So you're welcome. So, you know, I, I remember seeing them and praise God for the body of Christ. I thank God for the body of Christ and for the Holy Spirit and how good he is. This just shows you God actually does want to heal. He really does want to give you that desire of your heart. He doesn't, God doesn't take pleasure in seeing his children, you know, weep and wail about not having something that God in his goodness has no qualms giving to you and is actually to him a blessing to get to you. Children are like arrows. There's so many Bibles in the, the verses in the Bible about children and the blessing that they are. Why would, there's nothing in God that would withhold, you know, his blessings and his goodness towards you. Especially if you are, you know, the righteous, especially if it like makes sense for you to have it. You know, I've heard some people say like, uh, for example, like, well, if you desire to get married, but what if you're 12? Like God's not obviously going to, you know, give you the husband that you want at the age of 12. Yes, obviously. No, but I, I, and somebody asked me a question like that and I answered back. Like, for example, if a child, let me actually find the message because it was really good. Keep your, keep your messages, people messages i said okay so somebody somebody asked me this question in text a dad has a child that he loves the child asks for things and he gives it to them because he loves them the dad has expressed to the child that anything they ask for he will give them which is biblical and true one day and if you read the bible the bible it's it's true according to the terms of it's according to the scripture and you ask by faith fully believing that you've received what you asked for in faith. Those are the terms. One day, the child asks for a knife. The child is around five years old, so obviously it's not a smart idea to give it to the child. Would the dad give the child the knife because he didn't want to break his promise to his kid? Or would the dad know that it would be harmful to the child and not give it to them? The answer I gave, which has to be the Holy Ghost, because I said the dad will express to the child that it is harmful to notify the child so that they know what they're asking for, but if the child asks enough, the dad, you know, no, let him know, hey, hey, this is, this is, a uh, knife is harmful. But you keep on asking. I mean, we've seen the story in the Bible where, about the, uh, the, the judge and the lady that was just, just crying every day. And he was annoyed. And he ended up giving her what she wanted because she just kept on asking. That story's in the Bible. And the next story in the Bible, there's so many beautiful parables in the Bible about the neighbor knocking on the, on uh, his other neighbor's door for bread. Please, please. And his knocking agitated his neighbor so much just he gave him all the bread. So listen, if the, that's why, I, let me just continue. So if the child asks for enough, but if the child asks enough, the dad will just give them the knife and show them how to use it correctly so they're not harmed. The same way the Israelites kept asking God for a king, which was not his plan. So people saying, well, well, you ask for things, you don't get it because it's just not God's plan. Uh, that's a and it's true at a level 
Because sometimes you keep asking enough and God's so good that he'll give it to you because he loves you. But even then, he had, there's a way that the, the king was supposed to run. There's a way. And, you know, God can redeem anything. There's goodness. He can make anything good out of anything bad. And you've got, we got King David. We got so many cool things out of that because God's pretty awesome. But let me continue with what, what I was saying. The same way the Israelites kept asking God for a king which was not his plan, but he gave them one with a specific structure and rules to obey so that they and the king would be successful. And you know what happened with Solomon because he didn't obey that structure. And You know, the Bible actually says God repented on making him king. You look that up. You read that story. So, so, uh, so that's, hey, so what will you do? And, oh, back to the story about that couple. So they went up to the altar and clear as day, the voice of the Lord. And when I say clear as day, it was like the clearest thing I've ever heard. And the voice of the Lord said, today is the day that I've answered their prayers. So I go up to them when um, they were done in the altar and they would made their way back to their seats. And I released that word. And when I was releasing it, I'm telling you, it was like the Holy Spirit was like strongly confirming like, oh, it was so Holy Spirit driven. It was awesome. Like he was strong. Like I felt it strong. That word like, yes, yes. Like confirming itself while I was saying it. And they felt it like they were moved. And thank you. And I get a text that, you know, they're less than 1% chance. God made a way. He, the God of the impossible gave them a child. That baby is beautiful, thriving beautiful i i've seen the child i've held her i've babysat her once she's gorgeous so you know it's that's why i wanted to cover this would you like you know would you dare to believe again to go back and revisit that thing would you actually dare to believe would you dare to see the things that the, the broken things are the things that, that really hurts your heart that you haven't received. And maybe for some reason people try to explain it away, why God didn't do it for you or why it's not happening for you. And it's a dream you have, but it's one of those heartbroken dreams. You know, it's a bro. You just don't see a way out. Would you even dare? Would you dare again with faith? Try with faith this time, unwavering faith to believe for the God of the impossible. Because, and this is the way I formatted it in my notes, when fit hits the sham for you. Number one, do you communicate with God? Because the way you address God, the fact that you address, if you address God and the way you address God is going to determine a lot of things about you. When, you when, when, when fit hits the sham, do you enter his throne room with praise, enter his gates with thanksgiving? When you get the chance to bring your situation to God, is worship going to be the first thing that come out of your mouth? Number two, do you settle in these arbitrary answers for things, why they are the way they are? Well, you know, God took him away because he needed another flower for his garden. Do you settle for that? Honestly, do you just settle for things that just help you cope? Or do you advocate, you go for solution? Like the Syrophoenician woman, she wasn't satisfied. She knew Jesus is a healer. She knew Jesus is a deliverer. And she was going to see that happen for her daughter. She wasn't satisfied when Jesus himself, the son of God, the Messiah, said, it's not right that I give this bread to you. You're, this is for the children. You're not, you are not a part of this. Yeah, but Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs. 
Jesus was pleased with that woman's faith. Faith. It was faith that produced that in her. Faith that produced. Faith was the reason why her daughter was free within the hour. When God, when Jesus released that word. Hallelujah. Do you settle? Or do you get unsatisfied? When a doctor, a professional releases that word. Do you settle? Or do you say, no, no, no. But I know my healer. I know my redeemer. He lives. I know. That's a good song. I know that I have a deliverer. I know that I know someone who gives, who can give me the answer, who can give me a solution, who could take my problem away. The story of the lady with the issue of blood. Jesus was not walking to her. It's an, again, it's not a celestial, like the stars have to align for you to receive your healing, for you to receive the answer to your prayers. It was faith that got her what she wanted. She was dealing with this thing for 12 years. Bleeding. And she knew, okay, I see Jesus. All I got to do is touch the guy and I know I'm healed. She didn't, she, listen, what the recipe in that was just faith and action. She went, she believed first. She went, she received. He was on his way to heal somebody else. Jesus was not, he didn't know, like, you, people actually think that, like, they have to, like, wait for, like, the perfect service to receive what God has for them. You don't have to wait for anything. You just got to believe and then go. You don't have to wait for anything. You know how many, there's, uh, if you live in Florida, there's a healing school. Rodney Howard Brown has a healing school. There's so many testimonies. You, you create, you schedule an appointment and there's a healing school. You can take whoever you want to get healed. That, for some reason, that's. For some people, that might seem hard to believe. And then that's something you have to figure out. Why do you not believe that Jesus heals and still heals today? Major thing that peace, like, I was, gonna, I was trying to say peeved. But what I really wanted to say, what my body and my mouth knew, what I really wanted to say, what really pissed me off was the response during the whole pandemic thing. Where it's like you get criticized for actually believing that Jesus is a healer. Are you kidding me? Do you know, do you know how many messages that I got in my DMs? Do you know, do you know the nonsense? The bull crap that I saw all over Instagram. Well, you just got to be safe and you just got to be responsible. You just got to be wise. Listen, it would, all of this pandemic stuff, it would really help it if, oh, there was like a healer that we knew. I, you can count me a fool to believe that Jesus heals anything. You can count me a fool, but the Bible says uh, that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of all men. And I believe him. I gave my life to him. I believe he heals all sickness and all disease and all who are oppressed by the devil. Why wouldn't I? You know? Number three, do you just stop expecting and believing when fit hits the shan? Do you stop expecting and believing for anything past what your own abilities can achieve? Or, number four, do you choose to fight for your beliefs? You know, do you choose to come before God, full conviction, saying there's something I don't understand that's happening, but I know that you are a good God who treats your children very well. You delight in me and I delight in you and you desire that I take that delight in you. Your ways are pleasing. God, help me understand what's going on. That's, what, that's exactly what Daniel prayed. You have to understand that. We read in Daniel 10. He wanted to understand what was going on. And when he prayed, the answer was there. But he just kept praying. He kept like, he literally just kept contending for it. And he was, he was able to get a breakthrough. 
Help me understand what's going on. You never, you don't know what's going on. I mean, when things don't seem normal, don't chalk it up to just God. God's just being, you just don't know his ways. And God, get some understanding. You know how many times in the Bible, the Bible tells us to pursue all wisdom and all knowledge and understanding. Get in the spirit, start praying and ask God, God, help me understand what's actually going on. How can I pray for this the right way? Because you'd be really dumb if you had a toothache and you were, and you were slapping like, like, you were just, I don't even know. You were just like trying to run into a car or something or like, that's a dumb method. That's not the right method to fix the problem. You have to find the right method to fix the problem. Do you understand? Do you choose to see that in the spirit, your faith, your foundation is undergoing attack? Is undergoing attack. If the devil can take away your faith, especially your blind faith, which is essentially what it is, you'll have nothing to fight for anymore. Mm-mm. When things start, and this is in my notes, when things start looking like crap, it's not the time to be a 13-year-old little girl and whine and whinge about everything. It's time to be an adult. Even if you are thirteen, a 13-year-old little girl, it's time to be an adult and let something heavily take over the atmosphere of your situation. You better contend. You better get some action. You better find out who has a healing service? Who, who, who? I mean, there's a Jesus image and all that stuff. If you live in Florida, there's that thing. You know, get some faith and go, like, go where that stuff is happening. People went to Jesus. People went to Apostle Paul. People went, and there's people, well, I just have to, you know, I have no problem. You can just stay at home and believe. But, or you can just do what people in the Bible did. And go to these people that it's happening. And if you don't have anyone around you that operates like that, why on earth are you living there? Secondly, then it's, it's not like God can't hear your own prayers. So you get your own faith as well. Don't just depend on people's faith, okay? Get some faith and believe and contend and seek God in everything. Do you keep yourself before the Lord in praise and thanksgiving? Tending to your faith, though it might be wounded, though denting, though dented, you're tending to it and you're building it up. Might be slow, but it's gonna, it's, there's effect in it. Keep, do you keep yourself in the Lord? Do you keep yourself right? I challenge you to be aggressive even. I challenge you to be aggressive about this problem. No one else is going to feel like you know as slighted as you feel about your problem than you or like your mom she's like one of those like prayer warrior people you know there's so many prayers and so many testimonies I've heard of people getting their butts getting saved I'll just say that because their mom is a prayer warrior who knows how to knock on heaven's doors okay but unless you don't if you don't have that I mean you you're gonna be you're gonna have to be the one to feel, to recognize the injustice that's happening in your body or in your life that just shouldn't belong to a child of God or to a believer. It's not persecution that you're sick. I don't, this is not, you have the solution. Healing is children's bread. You don't have to be sick. He's not, God, that's not how, you don't have to be sick. In all things, seek God for understanding. I'm serious. Seek God for all of it. Like, that's not something that God put on you to learn a lesson because, like, oh, I mean, listen, there, I have seen God in the Bible put sickness on the wicked 
But I'm talking to people that are righteous over here. Okay? Believers. Who's like, the the biggest problem they ever commit is like, taking extra sugar packages from like, the coffee bar at church. This, this isn't, you're not murdering people. Okay? <laughs> okay. God is good. So I, I want to end it with a testimony of my eyes. You know, I, I contend, I build my faith up regarding that area. It'd be really dumb for me to preach like this and not and be like, yeah, but I still struggle with doubt. That's so stupid. I don't struggle with doubt. I thank the Lord that I can see. I thank the Lord for my doctor, for my eyeglasses and all that type of stuff. But I know what I want. So does God. And he's not dumb. He's never been dumb. And I'm not dumb. I'm not over here to settle for like whatever. But I, I, you know, the point is the biggest problem facing my eyes was that glaucoma thing. You do know, a few years ago, I went to the doctor. And this is after that whole thing where I'm dealing with that. God, I, I want to see and I believe. I'm really building my faith. Unbeknownst to me, <coughs> God had already taken care of the glaucoma. I went in for an eye exam. And the doctors told me. And remember, the last report was, Oh, Crizo, you have glaucoma. You're in danger of having glaucoma and da 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 and you're going to lose eyesight and all this goodness. So just get off your phone. That was the only advice they gave me. Are you kidding me? Whatever. If you're not a believer, there's, there's like no reason to hope. I can only imagine like you don't get this type of hope to be like, oh, but I have a healer and I, there's a way out. People that are, there are people living this life that they, they hear bad news and that's all. That is all they'll ever receive. That's all they'll ever get. And it sucks. Because there is so much goodness in God where we have, su- we have a deliverer, we have a savior, we have a way out of every problem. That's what, I mean, the Bible literally says that. Every, he delivers us out of every affliction. It's in the book of Psalms, that I know. Let me get the right, uh, let me get the verse up. Many are the afflicted of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Psalm 34, verse 19. And what did I say before? All means all. Don't listen to these whack, weak-spined, loose-lipped, dry-bodied, boring-living, 22-year lifespan with balding people. Don't listen to these people who have like receding everything, receding hairline, receding love life, receding everything, tell you, well, not all afflictions, some afflictions are, don't listen to these people. <laughs> the word of God is good and it doesn't, it's not void. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from, delivers them from it all. I don't even know where I was. Where was I? I don't know. But I go back to the doctor's and he looks at me, you know, he just, if you wear glasses, you know, the whole shebang, like, you know how the process is. He looks in my eyes and all this real, like, just, just so much. Oh my gosh. And he's like, Crisa, leave. Your eyes are in perfect condition. I mean, your eyes are actually, your eyesight's getting better and better and they're getting healthier and healthier. I don't know who hears this. Like, how did you go from glaucoma to like oh my gosh they're improving each time that isn't that that is god i'm telling you right now that is amazing 
that is amazing. And he actually told me recently, because I went like a few weeks ago. Oh, that actually reminds me I have to pick up my new frames. Where he said that your vision is actually great. It's actually perfect. You're just nearsighted. So I was like, okay, so what causes nearsightedness? And he was like, well, it could be genetics. And it also could be the fact that... And he was like, well, there's more nearsighted people in this generation than there ever were before because of the generation of like you guys grew up with electronics in front of your face and your eyes naturally the way like human bodies work they just kind of like adjust like it adjusts to only focusing on the things that you would hold close to your eyes because that's the things that you put before your eyes all the whole time you know like it's close to your face that's all you your body thinks that you all you need to see nothing you don't have to read anything far anymore so that makes sense so I know what to I, I there's knowledge there so now I feel my prayers have completely changed because now I know knowledge. Hey, so without my knowledge, God handled the matters that my faith contended for, and He took care of me. Good care of me, and faith is what unlocks it all. And when I say faith, I mean faith. And I feel like you get the point now. So that's the message. I I wanna. I want this to be a challenge to you to revisit that stuff. Don't let that pain block you from what God has for you. Revisit, get like a Hannah. If you got to weep on the floor somewhere and lose your like voice, do it with faith. Just bear it all out to the Lord. God, this is the problem. But, and then support it with, do what Hannah did. Don't leave that. Don't just leave God with your problems. You know, leave him with faith, leave him with a vow, leave him with something that's like, God, I, if you like you, you do this. Not to bribe him. This is not a bribe. She was really going to commit like this was something that and this was her heart's desire. You know, God, this is the problem, but I know that you are good. I know that you are a deliverer. Father, Holy Spirit, who, who, who's pre, who? Who's coming to my city who's doing a healing service? I need to get into that. Honor what God is doing. Or who's coming near you? Honor that. There's a whole miracle tour. I mean, there's a there's like two evangelists, I think, going around right now in like the east side of America, I believe, doing a miracle tour. Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Go to that. There's so many things. People go to the Azusa Street Revival. People went to that. So many things. And look at all the crazy testimonies. I mean, look what's happening. See what God is doing and include yourself in it. Because you waiting around for that to come to you, you're going to miss it. You got to get violent. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You're going to miss everything if you wait around for things to come to you. The woman would have still been bleeding. She wouldn't, there wouldn't have been any woman in the Bible because we wouldn't have known about her. The Syrophoenician woman would, be, would have been a non-factor. And when, and then if you get pushback, push back harder. Just like she, the Syrophoenician woman did. Go in faith. I pray that God would bless you to go in faith. I pray that God would, would, you would give God, even if it's a little bit of faith, just like that man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I pray that God would take that little bit of faith and let that faith beget something greater, even greater faith. Give you a strong foundation. Get you to the point where your faith builds upon your faith and you're encouraged and strengthened by faith. In the name of Jesus. 
I pray that you would get the confidence to go back and revisit that things that are undealt with businesses, unsettled. Uh, but I'm not, I'm truly, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I am not pleased in this area. And I know God has the best for me. Get unsettled with these things that are not yours. They don't belong to you. Maybe for somebody else. But healing is reserved for me. I, I, I want to live a life as if, I mean, Jesus lives in your heart. If Jesus went about healing all, why, why wouldn't you think that the works, all that he has, all the works that he's ever done on earth, why wouldn't you see that? Why would you be fine without seeing that manifest in your own life? There's a lot of people that go to different countries and preach the gospel. They'll heal the sick and they're dealing with their own things themselves. That happened to T.L. Osborne. He, he, one of the biggest healing ministries in Africa, all types of sickness. I mean, falling, finish, finito, praying, deliverance. And him and his own self was suffering. God healed him from him though. God healed him from it. I urge you to listen to that. It's a, it's a video on YouTube. Um, it's a recording of his voice. Listen to that stuff. Gain understanding. Would you go this time in faith? Would you revisit that thing this time in faith? This time with gut, like grit, with expectancy. Would you dare to believe that God is the God of the impossible? And I want to leave this scripture with you. This very last scripture. I was actually supposed to share it in the middle of my, my uh, teaching. But if you couldn't tell, I was obviously uh, occupied with screaming. Hebrews 6. Verse 13. This is titled in uh, the New King James, God's infallible, infallible, okay, infallible purpose in Christ. Verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by the greater and an and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. An oath for confirmation. That oath of confirmation that ends all dispute is the name of Jesus and the fact that it came from God's mouth. Verse 17. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, which is himself. That by two immutable things, his counsel and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, hallelujah, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having becoming high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Listen, the way T.L. Osborne put it, how do you know that God is able to heal and does heal and will heal? This whole word, this Bible right here, it was like set up for the Messiah to come and do what he needed to do. How we knew that this is really true is the fact that he died. And not only that, he rose from the dead. If Jesus were to do all he did and die and never rise from the dead, he wasn't the Messiah in the first place. But what marked the fact that that tore everything that tore the veil, the fact that he was able to go to death, go to hell and take the keys of death, hell and the great 
that sin in the grave and all that stuff. The fact that he was able to do all of that and not only that, resurrect from the dead and live today with the proof on his body. And by that, I mean the scars in his hands. This is nail pierced hands. The proof that he is, was, and always will be the Messiah. The fact that he lives today is the full proof and hope that we can know that God, everything God did and said in his word beforehand is true and is for today. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus lives today. So does the hope of that promise live today. So does the hope of that answer live today. And by faith, Jesus has made a way for you already. All you have to do is believe with patience, endure. Let your faith strengthen your faith. Let God restore your soul. Let Jesus strengthen your faith and believe knowing that there is more for you than there will ever be against you. That all of heaven desires to see the thing that you contend and believe for to come into your possession in this lifetime. I pray that you would get that confidence in knowing that. And by faith, I believe with you that you will receive every good thing. According to this word, every good thing you desire. And I pray that you would continue to delight in knowing that God hears you and he's there to answer and he is willing. He is not the author of anything bad in your life. God has a good plan for you in your life. He wrote that plan out for you from the very beginning, from the very first time, from the first fall of man. God already had a plan of salvation in the works for you to return to him and see his goodness along the way. Isn't he good? If you have not even given your life to the Lord, I want you to say this prayer with me. God, forgive me of all my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe, God, that you rose Jesus up from the grave after being dead for three days. I believe Jesus went on the cross and he died for my sins. He took on all my sins so that I might be righteous and see you in glory. That I can come and live with you in paradise at the end of this life. And in the name of Jesus, I receive, I receive that inheritance to be a child of God and to know you all the days of my life in the name of Jesus. And all I got to tell you is get into a good church, get under a, a good pastor, righteous pastor who preaches and believes the whole Bible, who moves, whose church moves, moves in, in great, I mean, believe and they move in the spirit they believe in the holy ghost they speak in tongues the whole shebang i know that's making a lot of catholics and baptists listen to this very angry and uncomfortable but your problem is with the bible not with me i urge you to get into a good church if you don't live anywhere there, where there's a good church get out because you're not going to last long i'm telling you right now go somewhere where there is a good church get under a good disciple you know, so someone to disciple you and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. You're like a baby of the faith unless you rededicated your life to the Lord. But you have to get your foundations right, built right back into you. And you're going to grow and you're going to be a strong and mighty vessel for the Lord. And I believe that. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen.